It's the football, 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 and sometimes other sports show. Here's your host, AJ Nicoletti. What up? FFF, SOSS, Doc Down, at FFF, SOSS, Twitter strip, Twitter.tv, slash AJ Nicoletti. Maybe we'll do a little watch along for the U.S. Open this week, possibly. I'll see. Um, if we can get the tech right, that'd be pretty sweet. So I just thought of that right now. <laughs> so I will write that down and, uh, US open stream question mark. Okay. All right. So, uh, I wrote that down. That's called producing on the fl- fly folks. Okay. The pod, the final club soccer game, footy game of the season has been completed. Man city have won it they've won the treble so we will touch on that of course and lead off the show with that in the kickoff into a recap of how they did it in the Champions League final a little recap of the uh, big situations the big moments in the match that had Pep Guardiola's Man City prevail and win the Champions League final and route to the treble so we'll do that. We'll do soccer transfer rumors and this Mbappe story breaking just before I went to record. So this is crazy. We'll have fresh takes on that uh, along with other soccer transfer rumors as the window is creeping open here in June. NFL headlines, Stanley Cup final, NBA finals, and more. So that is the rundown for this pod. And the golf was pretty exciting though. The Canadian Open, so we'll touch on that. And we will do a U.S. Open preview. That's either... Usually those will come out on Thursday. I might go back-to-back days here. I'm not sure yet. So we'll try to figure that out as well. Um, Because the U.S. Open preview, it's really just going to basically be a U.S. Open preview. So we'll just see. Okay. Um, So Man City win the treble. We'll do that in kickoff. Champions League final recap. Into soccer transfer rumors. NFL headlines. Stanley Cup final. NBA finals. Golf and more. Okay. Kick it off. Man City win the treble. They are the second second English team to win the treble, matching Man United in 98-99. What a team that was, as we know. It's the 10th team to ever do it, the 8th different club, because Barcelona and Bayern have both done it twice. Pep Guardiola is the first coach to win the European treble multiple times after doing it once already. So he did it once, now he's done it twice. So that's three times. City are the 23rd different team and now the sixth team from England to win the European Cup. Unbeaten in the competition this season. Tournament high, 31 goals. Holland, Golden Boot. Pep, his third Champions League. Fourth coach to win three European Cups. Joins Ancelotti, who has four. Zidane has three. And Bob Paisley of Liverpool has three as well. His personal trophy. Uh, 12th trophy with Man City. And what a run. They were outstanding. You got to give them credit. He reinvented them with the system. Um, famously sat Rodri in the final against Chelsea. And he's the goal scorer with the breakthrough in this final for them to win 1-0. So his overthinking comes full circle. That the guy that he sat famously in the final against Chelsea where they lost 1-0 is the guy that scores the goal, and they win one now. So, 
a little bit of that, a little bit of um, retribution there for Pep in his decision, and that probably feels good because he was going to get asked about that, especially if they lost this match again where, hey, this system, yeah, you won the Prem and you won the FA Cup, but you didn't win the treble. Like, do you think it was worth it with this system? I bet you that question could have came from some Spanish crazy media question. Um, they're wild out there, but point being, he tried the system early in the new year and it took off flying stones into the middle of the park as a CDM and and really not just a guy who's going to step up and tackle, but played a lot of good through balls, was able to dribble like stones, <laughs> stones did really well. I have to give him credit and not that I was a hater, but I just thought he was kind of a run-of-the-mill average English center back. I thought he was better than McGuire, obviously, and maybe you could argue the best English center back just because of the, I guess, lacking talent there at that position, to be fair. They're stacked at right back, as we know. But center back's a little lacking, especially when they tried out Harry McGuire, who is a bum, as we know. But Stones into the middle of the park. That four-man wall, obviously Holland in front. He had four really center backs for three spots back there with Walker coming in and Akanji and Ake. They were all kind of hurt, but Diaz was really uh, um, he was banged up a little bit too, to be fair. But once they got this system going, it seemed like those guys and all those kind of big players, the Grealishes, the De Bruyne's, the Silvas, the Gunawans, the Hall, everybody kind of played the big matches. And he did rotate the squad, but for the most part, when he went to this system, it was these guys in these roles getting ready to play these type of matches. And you got to be lucky to win the Champions League. We know that. Uh, I feel like they were a little lucky, but you also have to make your chances, and they did, and they took their luck. And, and Inter, to be fair, was a little unlucky and didn't take their chances. But you still have to win it, and they did. So, again, give credit to Man City. Uh, an outstanding tournament, the trophy they were looking for. They get it, and not only do they get it, but they get it in a season where they've already won the league and the FA Cup, and they make it a treble. So an outstanding season, pretty much the best season you could have. If you're an English club, yeah, you could throw in the Carabao Cup, but to me, that's a trophy that is nice, but it's not one of the three you're competing for. This is the this is a big three if you're an England club, in my opinion. I think uh, a lot of people, if not everybody, agrees with me. So to do it, is outstanding. You give him a bunch of credit. However, it is looming. The 115 financial fair play charges. This could all get stripped away, possibly. So, unfortunately, there could be a black eye on this record, a asterisk on this fantastic season for this Pep Guardiola club. And Pep has one year left on his deal, and it doesn't seem already that they're talking about re-upping or he's going to stick around. So, Maybe it's national team time for Pep Guardiola and getting ready for the World Cup in 2026. But listen, they've had an outstanding season. He reinvented them. They've already been a good team. They bring in Holland. They bring in a guy in a kanji who was coming in for depth. I don't think he was going to be maybe next season a starter. You know, consistently, but this season he really came in and Pep liked him and played him. Same kind of thing with Nathan Ake. Nathan Ake was never brought in to be really a starter in this team. He was supposed to be depth, and he could play left back, play that left center back position, obviously, because he's left-footed, and he does play that mostly. But 
Pep kind of molds these guys into the positions that he needs them to, and then he morphs the system, and he did a brilliant job. He did a brilliant job with the pieces he had, and you got to give him a ton of credit. And it's a brilliant season to win a treble. It's outs- it's an outstanding achievement. It's things that you only really do in FIFA, like you know, when you're playing in your career mode. Like you don't see it often. It does not happen. They're the only, the second English team, and the first since '99 that United team. So you don't really see it. The fact that Pep's done it three times now is insane. Um, and the way they've done it, unbeaten in the competition and that tournament high 31 goals. And a final that you could argue was a coin flip, a final that you could argue that could have gone certainly either way or at least maybe deserved extra time, which we'll get to in a second. But you got to be lucky to win these. And they benefited from some big moments, some big moments, that's for sure. Now for Inter, I, I it's tough because there's nothing to be ashamed about. They went up against the Titan Club and was were in the game the whole time until really the last whistle to e- even like until Man City scored in what the 68th minute there. Inter were in the the match to get one nil and you know sit on it. Unfortunately, it was City that got the first goal and then Inter were fighting for an equalizer that they did not give up till the final whistle and you got to give them credit. There's nothing to be ashamed about Lukaku. I know those are tough misses, but Oh man. But how about this for the Italian clubs? All three European finals this season, Inter Milan in the champions league, Roma in the European uh, Europa league, Florentina in the Europa conference league. All three of them lost in their finals. Absolutely brutal for the Italians in European finals in this season. And it's not just two now. You know, you get this conference league, you get three finals and to get three Italian teams and none of them win it. That is brutal. That is really, really brutal. Um and then the the Florentino one was late, a Bowen winner, and the Roma was in pens. And this was a one nil loss. So those are tough. <laughs> those are tough. All right. Match recap. Man City enter Champions League final. Man City went at 1-0. Team news in the 11s. For Man City, Akanji and Ake in. That meant Walker was out. So Diaz in that back line. We knew Ederson was going to be good, especially after Pep had rested him so much. Like, And and did play him in the mix there as well, to be fair. Um, Stones and Rodri, the two holding. That four-man wall, as we've come to know it, you know, Grealish on one side, Bernardo Silva on the other, and De Bruyne and Gundogan patrolling the middle of the park with Holland in front of them. Now for Inter, Mkhitaryan was a big call, and Brozovic was in for him. And Mkhitaryan only came in on, he only came on late and tried to have an impact but couldn't. But Brozovic did a really nice job, wore the armband uh, on the night, and was really in the middle of the park commanding it for Inter to give him credit. And Zeko was preferred to Lukaku to start the match. And um, along with Latour Martinez up front. And then the wingbacks were Dumfries and DeMarco, of course. And then Skinner and DeVrij made the bench, but not the 11. Acerbi, Bastoni, and Darmian were the three center backs. Three midfielders along with the wingbacks were Brozovic, as I said, Barella, and Kalengalu. And then you had Zeko and Latour Martinez up front. So those were the teams for the final. And early on, 
City with some chances. Uh, Bernardo Silva really walking in on Tomarco, who was just refusing to challenge or stick out a boot. And Silva just tried to curl one and just curled it wide, just missed the corner. Holland then had a shot saved by Onana. De Bruyne a shot from distance saved. So early on, the chances were coming from City, but unfortunately, De Bruyne re-aggravated the injury that was plaguing him towards the end of the season, but he continued to pl play on it, which was crazy. He is hurt, so he comes off. Phil Foden comes on, and really that's the only action of the first half. Second half, first big interchance. Bernardo Silva plays a back pass. Akanji misjudges it, so it was a bad back pass, but it's also not a good job by Akanji. He puts Latoro Martinez in on goal. Ederson makes a good save. It seemed like Martinez was caught in between going on goal and then trying to uh, find Lukaku, who had come on uh, to this point. So Ederson made a good save there. Then City had a free kick. Tough header for Diaz went over the target. He still won it, though. Gudawan then won the ball deep in the area. Finds Phil Foden, who plays a kanji through ball for Bernardo Silva. His cutback ball eventually falls to Rodri in the box. Fires past Onana. He put it past two interplayers as well. Curled it in. Beat the two interplayers on one side. Beat the post on the other. And Onana was really rooted to the spot. 1-0 City, 68th minute. So time for Inter still. But they needed to get it going. And they did. It was almost an Inter response. Ball kind of headed around the area. Dumfries, hopeful header. It falls to DeMarco. His first header off the crossbar. I say first because he gets it back. Ederson could not reach it. It comes back to DeMarco for a second header that it seems like it's it has to be the equalizer. It goes off Lukaku and gets cleared by Diaz. So a gigantic chance for Inter to get right back in the match, to level the match right away, and to really say, hey, we're going we're gonna stick in here and we're probably playing extra time because we don't see anybody we're not conceding until, you know, we get to that whistle. So unfortunately that was the first big chance for Inter that did not go their way. Martinez then played Lukaku in, but a weak foot shot straight at Ederson. Easy save. Then City had a huge chance to kill the game. Phil Foden, great turn in the area. Good burst of speed. He did everything but finish. Uh, poor shot right at Onana, who made a good save, even though it was right at him. Second phase of a set piece for Inter. Ball falls to Barella. His shot goes high. Now we're late in the match. 90th minute. Brozovic cross to the back post. Goosen's really good header back into the area. It's right at Lukaku. His header is down, and it's at Ederson. Ederson, I don't know how much he knew about it. And Lukaku, I understand people are going to say, yes, you head it back across the goal because the goalie's coming at you. But he has so much room to the right. Um, it's really an empty net if he just tries to flick it back across his shoulder. Now, I understand it's very difficult, but... I mean, he's a world-class striker, and he's point-blank, and this was really bad from him. This was this was really poor, in my opinion. And Ederson, I, I really don't think he knew much about it. He makes a good save because he's in a good position, but I think he's very, very lucky that Lukaku kind of hits it at him with the head. Um, Lukaku gets another chance, but his shot is wide. Intercept piece to Marco. Good ball in. Barella volley high. 
Again, another inter set piece. This one's a corner. Goosen's flick on header. It's punched away by Ederson. It was going on goal. Brozovic can't keep it in, and the whistle blows. Inter with so many chances there. It was a brilliant flick on header by Goosen's, punched away by Ederson. That was an equalizer opportunity. Lukaku has to be sick. Not only denying his own teammate's goal in DeMarco off the net mouse scramble where uh, he had the first header go off the crossbar. He gets the rebound and he heads it off Lukaku. Lukaku has a point-blank chance. 90th minute to level the Champions League final. And he heads it right at Ederson. That's brutal. That's brutal. And again, congrats to the city and Pep and their fans. It's a shame that Kevin De Bruyne cannot finish the match or at least go uh, uh, long enough to make an impact bigger than he had already with a couple chances and a couple through balls. But Foden came on, did a nice job. He's going to be a brilliant player in the in the future. He already is, in my opinion, a, a brilliant, brilliant player. And it's Man City's year, and you got to give him credit. Uh, it, as much as it pains me uh, to say, as much as I really don't like what that club necessarily stands for, I do like a lot of the players. I got nothing against Holland. I, you know, I love De Bruyne. I say he's the best player in the world for me, the best midfielder in the world. Certainly, he's in the conversation for best player in the world. You know I don't like Bernardo Silva. I also don't like Bruno Fernandez. But you know some United guys. I like I like Rashford. I guess you could say for sure United. But for the city guys, um, yeah, I really like De Bruyne, and I and I acknowledge Pep's a great great manager, and he'll always be a great manager. So, and he's completed another treble, and he's given Man City their first, and it, it comes with the Champions League, which is really the one they were chasing. You know, if they had just won the Champions League this year. And say Arsenal had won the league, they finished second, and they get to an FA Cup final, or they get to a semifinal and lose, or whatever. They still won Champions League. I still think they would be pretty happy because this was the trophy they've been chasing. Um, but to get a treble, that's outstanding. That's outstanding. And it's the fourth consecutive 1-0 final, by the way. So, um, the Liverpool 2-0 over Tottenham is the last one where there was uh, multiple goals, if I'm not mistaken. And the year prior was the Real Madrid 3, Liverpool 1, unfortunately, when Sergio Ramos injured the keeper. All right, um, so that was the last club match. I don't know how much Nations League we're going to do, but uh, that was our last club match of the season, and now it is full transfer window. Um, and it really is kicking off here in the early part of June, early mid-June, whatever you want to call it. Mbappe has triggered or not triggered the clause, apparently, to re-up his deal. So by doing that, he becomes a free agent after next season. And he is going to basically say, um, you guys got to sell me. And it's like, you got to sell me kind of a thing. And PSG are not going to go for free. This is... Uh, Fabrizio Romano, of course, uh, reporting on Twitter because the soccer subreddit is down with so many subreddits. I don't know. Uh, he will not. This is his tweet. So it means the deal would expire next June 2024, as the equipe, uh, is uh, is uh, reporting. So 
PSG position, no plans to lose Killian for free. Sign a new deal now or he could be sold. So he could be playing for a new deal. Uh, this coming off, Florentino Perez being asked in the streets, wherever the hell he was, about Mbappe. Are you going to sign Mbappe? And he was like, not this year. <laughs> yes, but not this year. So that's cool. I guess you could just say that. So um, we had the Messi move. It's very impactful for the MLS, but it's not really impactful for a European kind of move. If he went back to Barcelona, it would have been impactful kind of for European football, but him going to MLS, it doesn't really move the needle. Mbappe saying, hey, I need a new deal or you better sell me. That is, that's big. That's big. He is a, a top two player, you know, in the future here with him and Holland being these young guns. So, if he, if he, if he's moving, that's a big story. So, got to touch on that, of course. So, that is breaking uh, on Monday here, that story with Mbappe. Could be a free agent after next season unless he strikes a new deal with PSG or he's sold. And it could be Real Madrid. We'll touch on some Real Madrid stuff in a second. How about top center backs from a top winger? Timber and Guardiol. Timber from Ajax. Guardiol from Rebel Leipzig. They're I would say the two top center backs on the market, if they're if they're both on the market, both kind of talking about moves. Rebel Leipzig doesn't seem like they'll sell, but if they get a good price, I could assume them moving. And Ajax, we know they're a club that develops, 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 and if they can hold on to guys, they can hold on to them, but at some point they can't say no to the money that they'll get for some guys. So uh, Timber and Guardiola. Both could be on the move. You can see targets like um, if Liverpool want to spend Timber or Guardiola, but really Man City, Real Madrid, possibly PSG for some of those guys. Gunawan is now being linked to Barcelona. Bernardo Silva, we knew, already had uh, a planned move to PSG now that their seasons are over. Those moves seem to be in the works, at least, if not uh, already happening, but they had to celebrate a parade, so they can't make those moves just yet, and they have to be coy about it, right? Kovacic could be going to Man City to fill the Gunawan role, and I'm sure Man City will try to sign another winger to get in there. They love Mares, as we know, and Ali Palmer is a guy that they like up front, but I don't know if he fits into what Pep wants to do with the four across. Who knows? But um, I would presume they get another winger if they if they do sell Bernardo Silva. Lukaku is going to go back to Chelsea. In Chelsea, we don't know what the plans are yet. I'm sure Todd Bowley would love to talk to Lukaku and be like, yo, what's your deal? You want to play here or not? We would love. We need a number nine. We need a number nine. Like, you want to be the number nine. Uh, it would be interesting to see, be a fly on the wall in that conversation. But Lukaku has the big relationship with Inter Milan, kind of forced his way back last year um, with the move. With uh, Tycho basically being like, all right, get lost. Fine. Get lost. But now with Bully as the owner and Pochettino coming in as the manager, who knows what Lukaku. Um, what it means for Lukaku. Yeah, we don't know. Uh, but Nkuku will be announced as a Chelsea player, possibly after the first wave of France games here in this uh, offseason for the club. But season for the international Chelsea menu are talking about the Mason Mount tag. Apparently we had seen rumors that 
Manu and Mount had agreed to personal terms, and now it's up to Chelsea Manu to sort out a fee. But that talks have seemed to stall. Talking about Real before, Real said they're not going to pay a big Kai Havertz price tag. And that leads me to believe that they know more about the Mbappe situation than not because we know they're already bringing in Jude Bellingham for a big price, right? They have to pay Dortmund out for a big price. Are they saving the money they would put on Kai Havertz for Mbappe? Or are they waiting for Mbappe to basically say, no, I can't come yet or we'll figure it out. And then they bring in Havertz as a stopgap and then he'll play wing or something when when uh, Mbappe comes. I don't know. So it's interesting what Real's doing. They already brought in Brahimi Diaz. You know, they're bringing in Jude. They're going to bring in a number nine to replace Benzema. Could it be Harry Kane? Could it be Havertz? Could it be Mbappe? Uh, Tottenham want Raya from Brentford if they're going to move on for Lloris. It could be a nice move for Raya. Um, he's done a really nice job at Brentford. I think he's a pretty good shot stopper in the games I've seen Brentford play. He makes some big saves for them. He seems to be in good positions. He can handle it with his feet. So... I think that's a good move for Tottenham if they spring for Raya because one of the big six teams will, you know, make a play for him, and Tottenham should. They have a uh, gap at number one, that's for sure. And Brentford will get a nice uh, tag for him. And Villa make two good signings, in my opinion, in their midfield. Oxley chamberlain from Liverpool on a free to Villa, and now Thielman's on a free after uh, Leicester City have gone down. Thielman's going to Villa. So Villa, some nice moves there. And James Madison... A lot of people talking about he'll be uh, in the mix for a team possibly like Villa. So Villa could be adding a lot of pieces to that midfield. That In a midfield that I think is pretty solid nonetheless, but getting better and getting more uh, competition, that's for sure. All right, uh, NFL headlines, Minnesota stuff right away here. Dalvin Cook gets cut by the Vikings, and Daniel Hunter is going to sit out mandatory minicamp while they are fielding trade requests for him. So Dalvin Cook... It is a sign of the times in this National Football League that one of the top guys in his position gets cut. And I understand he hasn't been on the field as much as you would want him to. Um, his team hasn't been the best team in the big spot, especially in the postseason. But I don't blame that all necessarily on a running back. I don't think that's fair. But to cut Dalvin Cook in a spot like this with the June stuff coming up and the cap hits and all that's kind of... I don't know if it's fair to him after people like teams have spent money and free agency and and signed draft picks and have done their cap kind of moves already. Like, yeah, they could work it around, but a lot of teams have said, "Okay, we're basically done until we have to be." So that's kind of messed up by the Vikings to do it. That's uh, in my opinion right now. Uh, that's tough with the timing. So it's tough not only to get caught, but it's also tough with the timing. Uh, because it's going to be unfortunate for Dalvin Cook. It's going to be tough for him to find a, a team willing to pay him a, a nice amount of money for a contract with some length and some guaranteed money because I'm sure a lot of teams have given away all their guaranteed money for the upcoming seasons. So Dalvin Cook cut. Daniel Hunter is going to sit out minicamp. Saquon Barkley is not going to minicamp as well for the New York Football Giants, and he hasn't ruled out sitting out the whole season. So we've had Le'Veon Bell set the precedent those years ago with the Pittsburgh Steelers, say, I'm going to sit out the season. I'm not getting um, 
properly compensated for the amount that I'm given. I'm not getting the amount of money that I should be getting. So uh, I'm sitting out, and Saquon Barkley has, I'm not going to say threatened, um, but he has, he's talked about some of his options, and he has not ruled out sitting out the entire season. So not going to be at minicamp. He's not signed the franchise tender yet uh, for the G-Men. And the Giants got to get something done about this because he is a well-respected member of that locker room and a guy that is a leader and a guy that makes that team go and a guy that's kind of about this restart the Giants of the two Super Bowls, the recent past there. You got to get him on your team. So I think the Giants got to do a better job of that. That's for sure. DeAndre Hopkins is going to visit the Patriots. They just don't know when yet. Maybe they do, but Belichick's not really saying when because he said he's not a travel agent when he was asked about when DeAndre Hopkins is going to come visit the Patriots. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. Uh, Panthers news. Bryce Young practices with the ones, so he's not QB1 yet. They're not ready to uh, announce that. Frank Reich is not ready to declare him QB1 or anything yet, but he is practicing with the ones, and corner JC Horn is going to miss OTs and minicamp with the injury which is unfortunate um, but he should be healthy enough for training camp maybe not at the start but towards the beginning of it so Buda Baker is going to report to Cardinals camp amongst the trade rumors amongst the contract issues all that kind of stuff so that's a uh, class classy move from Buda Baker in a going to a team where it's a new head coach probably going to come in with a new system maybe you want to clean house a little bit for him to report i think that's pretty cool broncos have signed frank clark after the chiefs cut him um and he's already talking about hey the broncos are not far away we, we got a good team all this kind of stuff dude you haven't played snap yet relax um the titans here fired the safety he's going to come to minicamp despite no new deal so you see some stars coming to mini camps and sacrificing either around no new deal or trade rumors, all this kind of stuff. And then you also see some stars being like, no, I'm sitting out. I'm not coming to mini camp. I'm not doing that. So some different approaches in this, uh, in this uh, NFL. And Sean Payton, I just want to touch on this, made a good point about um, gambling. I just... It's tough to watch all these like um, commercials and this book is official sports book and all this kind of stuff. Um, he said we got to pack it for the league. Obviously, when policies change, it's our job to educate the players. Uh, Pagrecy, we looked at, studied it, closely presented it, made sure everyone has it. If you're a teacher and half your class gets a D, you better look at yourself. It's not the policy, but the implementation, the understanding, the education of the policy. So, unquote. So, basically, he's saying the rules are in place, but we got to do a better job of saying what's against the rules, what's for the rules. Because I am, I'm sure, like, some players didn't understand that them placing bets on other players to do well in parlays or... They're like, well, it's not my team. It doesn't matter. Well, it just is the sign that you're betting on the league you play in and you could bet on the games you're playing in and that could affect the integrity so um 
he makes a good point that if you're a teacher and your whole class is getting D's, you're not really doing a good job of teaching the material. It's true. It's true. All right. Uh, Stanley Cup final. Panthers and Golden Knights. As you know, the Panthers won game three in overtime. That cut into the Vegas 2-0 lead to make it 2-1 Golden Knights in the series. Motar gave the Panthers a first period lead, but Stone scored a power play goal before the period ended. So they had it tied at 1-1. Marshall Schott gave the Knights a 2-1 lead in the second. Then late in the third, the Chuck tied it, forced overtime. Panthers ended up killing a minor penalty off in that first overtime. And then Verhage won it for the Panthers to get them back in the series. But however, the Knights win game four in Florida, take a commanding 3-1 lead back to Vegas for game five. Vegas took the lead on a Stevenson early goal in the first, then... Uh, second from Stevenson got uh, in the second, gave the Knights a 2-0 lead. Carlson made it 3-0. Panthers finally stopped the bleeding with a lucky goal. It's Montour cut it to 3-1 late in the period. Then Barkov brought the Panthers within one early in the third. Um, a net mouth scramble at the end of the game. Um it looked like the Chuck had a chance to tie it. It's expiring, but it looked, and they replayed it back. He, his shot was after the buzzer would have gone off. Regardless, Hill makes the save. Uh, he gets, like, slew-footed out. There's a brawl. Uh, Petrangelo comes out of the box after he uh, put the puck over the glass for a delay of game. So it was a six-on-four for Florida. They, they couldn't score there. He comes out of the box, and he's just looking to get in a fight with the Chuck. So they're swinging their sticks. There's a couple fights and wrestling matches. It was a real brouhaha, brawl ski. That's for sure after the, the game. And fans, unfortunately, throwing bottles on the rink. It's just, that's really bad. Not cool. Should not, should not happen ever. Don't throw stuff on the rink like that. That could hurt a lot of guys. So bad job there. Knights win the game regardless. Take that commanding series 3-1 lead back to Las Vegas. NBA Finals, Nuggets close out in five. Let's talk about game four first. They win it to take that commanding 3-1 series lead. A Butler three at the end of the first quarter gave the Heat a one-point lead. Jokic rolled his ankle, but he checked back in mid-second quarter. Nuggets built a nine-point lead, but the Heat ended the half well. Still trailed by four at the break. Jokic and Gordon had 16 each. Butler had 14. Bam had 12 at half. Lowry, 13 off the bench, so that was a nice little half for him. Nuggets lead grew to double digits in the third quarter. At the end of the third, it was up to 13, early fourth quarter. Heat did close it to six. The Nuggets get back into double digits, and they don't look back. Jokic was in foul trouble, still finishes with 23 and 12. Gordon, unreal game, finishes with 27. Murray, 15 and 12 assists in the playmaker role. And then Bam had 25 or 20 and 11, and Butler had 25 in the loss and then in game five back in Denver Nuggets seal the championship they jumped out to a 12-5 start Heat fought back to take a one-point lead in 19-18 they were ahead 24-22 after one and then they built their lead up to 10 in the mid second quarter it was seven at the half Bam had 18 Jokic was in foul trouble the Nuggets were struggling from three-point land and the field uh generally but from three-point land they were one for 15 but they started the third quarter off strong. They tied the game up at 60 uh, about midway through the third quarter. He get the lead back, and it's one at the end of the third quarter. But the Nuggets' quick start to the fourth 
go ahead. Uh, then Butler goes nuts, eight-point run, basically by himself. Gave the Heat a one-point lead after some free throws. Um, Jokic answers Butler two free throws. Brown makes a jumper to go back up one. Butler turns it over. Colwell Pope makes two free throws after he, he had to foul him. So they're up three, 24 seconds left. Butler heaves a three way off. And then Brown made two free throws to seal it. Butler missed another three, but it was really, uh, didn't really matter, to be honest. So, Nuggets, first time they've won the NBA championship, and they beat the Heat, who have had uh, pretty good finals appearances, to be honest. But this one, they come up short. They did not shoot it well. Nuggets did enough. Jokic gets his title. Jamal Murray gets his title. And uh, congratulations to the Denver Nuggets. And if you're a Nugget fan, Hey, here's the thing. Everybody no one likes Dan Kroenke much, especially the Arsenal fans, but all his teams are winning championships. Rams won a championship. Avs won a championship. Now the Nuggets win a championship. So Arsenal, unfortunately, <laughs> bottled this Premier League title. Otherwise, Kroenke would really, really be on top of the world. So that's the end of the NBA season. The Nuggets are crowned champion. Denver Nuggets, NBA champions after being in Miami Heat in five games. Jokic and Murray champions. Jeff Green gets a ring. DeAndre Jordan gets a ring. Um, some cool. Braun goes back to back, winning college last year. The, the March Madness with Kansas. Now he wins the NBA Finals as a rookie. That's pretty cool. So uh, again, congratulations to. The Denver Nuggets, NBA champions. All right, over to the golf world. Listen, I can't do the the live PGA DP. Like, I can't do it right now because we're so early in it. We had a crazy interview um, with the board member that made it happen, Jimmy Dunn, where he's basically saying, if any, if I find out anyone's connected to the 9-11, I'll kill them myself. Like, dude, you can't say things like that. Um now we have the Senate, the U.S. Senate calling for action, investigation. So we're so, so early in this. Um, I don't want to keep, you know, harping on it and just doing reaction to it every time. You already know how I feel about it, and um, it is what it is. But how about the Canadian Open? What a finish. We got a great playoff between Nick Taylor, the Canadian, and Tommy Fleetwood, who obviously I was rooting for. You know, I like Tommy Fleetwood. It goes four holes. They went 18, 18, then they played the ninth, then they came back to 18. Taylor rips it up out of a divot on this par five, gives himself a, a putt at it. Fleetwood has a look at birdie, and Taylor makes the longest putt he's ever made. On tour, 73 feet, four eagle to win his national championship. The first Canadian in 69 years to win the Canadian Open. Absolute scenes. You feel for Tommy Fleetwood, but he had opportunities on the playoff holes to win it and did not. And Nick Taylor pulled off an unbelievable putt, 73 feet all the way up the hill, hits the pin and drops. A great putt, and it was absolute madness. We had Adam Hadwin get tackled by a security guard when he was trying to spray champagne on Nick Taylor. Oh, man, that was so funny. But um, scenes, 
Congratulations to Canada. Congratulations to Nick Taylor. I feel for Tommy Fleetwood. He was obviously uh, not a lot of guys were rooting for Tommy Fleetwood there on this uh, Canadian Open going up against a Canadian in a playoff. But he played real tough and just unfortunately couldn't win it. Um, so that's that's tough for Tommy, who was a guy I root for, that's for sure. So, uh, But a U.S. Open preview we will do this week either – I'll come out tomorrow or Thursday. I have not decided yet uh, if I'm going back-to-back days here, but depending on um, what happens, possibly we'll go back-to-back days. So possibly back-to-back days and possibly U.S. Open stream maybe Saturday or Sunday for uh, since it's going to be prime time. I think that'll be fun. So that is the ideas that I have. I don't know if I'll come through with those ideas, but nevertheless, we still will get a U.S. Open preview, of course. So, again, congratulations to Man City. They win the treble. Um, Pep Guardiola accomplishes what he came to do at Man City at the Etihad, which was win the Champions League. And not only did he do that, but he won it in a treble-winning season. So, that's outstanding. Uh, Give them a bunch of credit. Inter should not hang their heads. Lukaku was a tough chance. And now we got an Mbappe storyline to really carry the soccer transfer rumors. Uh, I'm sure some NFL cuts will still be happening, but Seneca final, NBA finals, and really golf. So U.S. Open preview coming later this week. Until then, I'll talk to you. Peace. Football, football, and sometimes other sports show. Sounds like me.